The following talk was recorded at Label the Planet 2021 Empowering Users, the annual conference on current issues in ethics, social justice and technology from the Free Software Foundation. Label the Planet is a live conference and speakers often use slides and other visual tools to assist their presentation. You can see the videos of these talks at media.libreplanet.org or on the FSF Peertube channel. Label Planet speakers do not represent the mission of the Free Software Foundation. We host speakers talking about their use of free software in different kinds of political and commercial work. The FSF supports their freedom, but does not take positions on any political issues other than those necessary to uphold the principles of free software. Like all the FSF's work on behalf of the grievance of all computer users, Nemo Planet is made possible by thousands of individuals. To keep our work going, please consider becoming an associate member via my.fsf.org join or making a donation at my.fsf.org donate. You can stay informed by subscribing to our newsletter, The Free Software Supporter, at fsf.org fss and for more information on LibrePlanet, you can visit libreplanet.org conference. All right. Thank you, everyone, for attending day one of Libre Planet 2021. To wrap up today, I'd like to present, present an exciting uh, closing keynote uh, from both the president and executive director of the Free Software Foundation. First, I'm going to introduce uh, Jeff Knaut, uh, who's been serving for the FSF board for over 20 years and becoming president in August 2020. I'd uh, love to hear what you have to say about the past, present, and future of free software. Take it away. Thank you. So I hope you're having a wonderful time at Libre Planet this year. The staff at FSF has put in tremendous effort, as always, to put together a terrific program dedicated to protecting the computing freedom we enjoy now and into the future. I wish to congratulate the FSF staff and management on a job very well done. And I thank all the speakers who have given us so much to celebrate, appreciate, and consider. When Richard Stallman published the GNU Manifesto nearly 40 years ago, I don't think many people realized just how important the issues he raised then would become as central to the lives of billions of people around the world as they are now. Computing freedom has always involved us having more control over our lives to have computers and devices meet our needs so that we would not become subservient to the whims of others. We still fight for that autonomy and freedom of expression to borrow as art has always done, to be creative, to reinvent better. At the turn of the millennium, something happened that I did not expect. In the last couple of decades, we have encountered new encroachment on our rights as individuals. We now have companies that view us as the product. They harvest our data, our DNA, our histories. They tell us we do not own ourselves. Rightly, people have rebelled against this. I grew up in the 20th century, a century that was once considered modern. In that century, tyrannies brutalized people unspeakably and good people rose to defeat tyrants. It was alternately horrible and hopeful. I often wonder what the 21st century will bring for my children, for their children, 
for most of you. This will be your century. In recent years, I have wondered if the 21st century will be the age of the dictator. What could prevent that? There is so much mass surveillance and control of speech in many parts of the world. Will people be as free as we have been, more so or less so? I think to a large extent, the answer to that will depend on people who are devoted to freedom in computing. Computing is more pervasive than ever, and there is no doubt in my mind it will become much more so in the coming decades. There has been growing awareness that many people are concerned for their civil rights and have been for too long. That is beginning to change as people say, enough is enough. One group may be highlighted one year, another group another year, as headlines chase the misfortunes of the dispossessed. Eventually, the group of the day becomes us. Now I'd like to return for a moment to the late 1960s. The astronauts heading to the moon the first time looked back at our lonely planet and saw that we are one. They saw a shiny marble of humanity and color against the backdrop of the vast universe and saw it represented all we were and had ever been, all of us, all of our ancestors. I think it's important for us to remember that 50 years later, we are still all in this together. The fights that many people have for civil rights for their groups are the fights for civil rights for all groups. I think mathematicians and philosophers could spell that out more clearly than I could. I think the fight for computing freedom is a civil right too, especially as computers enter every facet of our lives. It is core to us remaining free people and making sure that future generations will enjoy the freedoms that we have enjoyed with greater assurance. I'm just saying this to emphasize how important you are, all of you, to the future of humanity. What you produce embraces trust and ethics and goodwill. You learn, you work, you share, and you teach. You empower others with an efficiency, speed, and quality those who put up obstacles could never match. But in this day and age, what you provide that is so sorely needed in this modern age is trust. All your good works are there for people to examine, celebrate, and ultimately improve even more. You create trust. You are trust. So I thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Jeff. Um, next, I'd like to introduce John Sullivan, who's been working at the Free Software Foundation since 2003 and serving as executive director since 2011. Uh, without further ado, please take it away. Uh, we can't hear you. I think you're muted. No. Uh, yep, yeah. There we go. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, let me add my thanks 
to all of you for joining us here at the virtual edition of Libra Planet 2021. Uh, I am John Sullivan, the executive director here, and, and no, I have not had a haircut uh, since one year ago when I had uh, one right before I thought I was going to be headed to Boston for Libra Planet in person. So, you know, looking back, I think we can say uh, pretty clearly, confidently, that that was the right decision to go online only. It was an incredibly difficult decision still uh, since we had to make it just days before Massachusetts actually said no in-person events, big in-person events should be held. Um, but I still want to apologize to all of you who had plans disrupted. Uh, I heard a lot of the stories and it was just such a massive mess. Uh, and we really didn't think that we would have to do another online edition again. But at least this time we were able to make the call far enough in advance to put more time and planning into things and uh, roll out some exciting new features, of course, using only free software. Uh, if you haven't checked out the new Libra Adventure uh, virtual conference space, I highly suggest that you register and do that tomorrow. Uh, anybody can be watching the stream, but if you want to participate there, you'll just need to do a quick registration, and then you'll be able to run around uh, what's basically a video game and talk to other attendees. It's a lot of fun and it's working really well. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to FOSTEM, uh, another free software conference that did an amazing job providing an online experience for their event this year. Uh, and as we've tried to do ourselves, they've published all the information about how they've done it. So, you know, as awful as this pandemic has been, uh, I think that there's a lot to be proud of in the way that the free software movement has responded. Uh, and I think that we've seen some great strides in the, uh, especially remote communication software and virtual event platforms uh, that it becomes so necessary during this time, even while we've also seen you know, just how much work there still is to be done and, and how much we'll have to keep doing even after uh, all of this is over, or at least winds down. The FSF certainly did take a big hit during the pandemic, but the loss of in-person events and all of the opportunities that those bring was substantial for us. But through it all, we continued to do our work. Uh, we pivoted to try to focus more energy on the things that people needed during these times to try to help protect specific freedoms that were being taken away, uh, like providing our Jitsi service for members. Um, and with the support of our members and donors, uh, we were able to get through it and we continue to be able to get through it. And it, uh, we did get some good news too recently, a little earlier this year, Charity Navigator, Charity Navigator uploaded, updated our uh, status and we have our eighth consecutive four-star rating. And within that top four-star category, we got our first ever 100% perfect score. Uh, and this just blows me away. And I want to congratulate, especially the work of our staff. Uh, it's really their work that makes this happen. Um, and I hope that it, uh, as this quote says on the slide, should make all of you very confident that when you donate to the FSF, uh, that money is going to an ethical and effective charity. Um, I know that besides the pandemic, there are a lot of other big conversations happening in free software right now about massive technology related changes in our world. Uh, some that Jeff talked about, but things like automation of jobs, uh, software driven cars, artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, augmented reality, uh, but also some more introspective conversations about and questions about what kind of movement we want to be and you know, what we need to do to get better. Uh, including things like how do we continue to work together for free software when we might disagree about many other topics. 
you know, where are our lines? I think those conversations are important. They're vitally important. And I'm committed to them personally, um, especially to the listening part. And I really look forward to being able to have a lot of them in person again. Uh, and I think it's also important that we need to keep some focus on very specific free software projects, recognizing that something just isn't being done and just get it done, make it happen. That's, and then take that success uh, and build momentum for the next possibly more complicated or involved thing. Talking about incremental progress, not instead of bigger projects and longer term planning, but in addition to it. We can't just choose one or the other. And I want to spend just the next 10 minutes or so tonight uh, announcing and talking about a specific priority of this kind that we've set for ourselves at the FSF. And it starts with a problem uh, that's not new. It's been a thorn in our side for many years now, and that's ebooks. So I think you can think of the problem area as having two parts. We have the devices that people use to read ebooks uh, and the distribution model for how they obtain those ebooks, or we're just calling them books now. I'm not sure. Uh, but the, the problem area of books and ebooks now is a subset of a larger problem area that has been in all of our faces over the last year, just uh, exploding during the pandemic. And that's the move to ephemeral streaming media. So now in theory, the FSF might not have a reason to object to the notion of streaming media as such. If it's done using free software, then many of the issues with it might become non-issues you know, according to the specific things that the FSF has to focus on. But because it's being done predominantly, almost exclusively with proprietary software anyway, it's a huge problem. So in preparing this talk, I, I started out you know, searching for some updated horror stories uh, about what happens when streaming media and eBooks in particular are uh, given where full control over those things is given to companies in terms of how we can access them even when those digital when the digital devices that carry those files are actually in our homes or in our pockets and the streaming video companies have become completely shameless lately with the way that they just make things disappear and you know, what was there yesterday uh, won't be there today they just remove things from their catalogs without warning but then i realized you know we really only need one example and it's the same example that we've been talking about since 2009. we've talked about it for 12 years and we're going to talk about it for another 12 years if we need to and that's that Amazon removed copies of an ebook from people's Kindles remotely without their permission, literally while they slept. And that book was George Orwell's 1984. Nothing has changed since then, nothing. The only thing that happened is Amazon sort of apologized and said that they won't do that again, whatever that is. But they changed nothing on their licenses or terms of service or devices to make that supposed commitment a reality. On top of that, the person who made even the weak commitment isn't even in charge of the company anymore. Uh, we saw what happened with Apple's position on DRM uh, when Steve Jobs was no longer at the company. They took down his essay protesting DRM. Companies don't have to stick to positions. Uh, they change as their leadership changes, and that's why we need firm and clear commitment to principles like those of free software. So we can point to more examples of the terrible things that can happen uh, with DRM and proprietary software restricted ebooks, but what's the point? Uh, this one says it all. When our knowledge and culture are filtered through software, whoever controls that software has an incredibly large amount of control over knowledge and culture. 
And deleting things is one blatant use of that power, but it's maybe even scarier if you consider just things like unannounced changes. At scale, this enables companies to directly rewrite history. The software on the device gives companies the access to do that. Uh, the license of the software forbids you from taking away that access. The digital restrictions management software blocks you from making copies of works for your own reference later. So anyone who cares about knowledge or culture finds this entire situation utterly unacceptable. And we're not just worried about our personal usage here, our personal reading, but also institutional usage, especially in education. Companies like Pearson, whom we targeted for the International Day Against DRM, have been pushing a subscription-based model for textbooks, which relies on proprietary software used on proprietary devices. Libraries are being forced into ebook lending models that mimic the deficiencies of paper books, which, by the way, I do love dearly. You can see, uh, requiring those books to expire off devices at the end of lending periods. We've been fighting this and, and things like this, and we've had some victories, but in order to get further, we need a free ebook reader not a mostly free reader. There's a lot of those out there. Even Amazon's Kindle uses a lot of free software alongside the proprietary software. Now we need a fully free ebook reader. Uh, devices that aren't locked down so that users can actually modify and reinstall versions of the software that they modified or that they found that's been modified by people they trust. So many of you are familiar with our Respects Your Freedom certification program. Uh, we certify devices under this program that prioritize user freedom by only shipping, requiring, and promoting free software. And while we don't require uh, that these devices and products have free hardware designs, uh, it's certainly a plus, um, and we expect it to be a, a bigger part of the future. And by the way, I'm actually doing this talk uh, from a desktop that's built around the D8 mainboard, um, which the company Vikings uh, cells and RYF certified version of. Uh, it's working very well. Um, so at the FSF, we're, we are making it a priority to make this happen. Uh, an RYF certified ebook reader, one that at the very least does the basic jobs people expect of any reader, an eating screen or equivalent, long battery life, software for reading books, an ability to load books in standard formats, uh, and text-to-speech capability for broader accessibility. You know, don't forget uh, back when Amazon took away uh, text-to-speech capability for things like reading the downloaded copy of the Constitution. Uh, you know, they've walked that back some, but that's the type of control that DRM gives companies, and that's the type of thing that we need a direct solution for. So we'll be, we are putting uh, financial resources and increased staffing behind this commitment. We've already been working on it, talking with various companies and looking at options. Those options range from originally assembled devices to aftermarket situations that we're frankly all too used to in free software, where we buy something, hopefully secondhand, so we're not giving the proprietary company any new money, and then we replace the software on it with free software using some security exploit that uh, that somebody's found. You know, we're looking at those kinds of options, um, but we are also you know trying to pursue the option of getting something originally made. Uh, so that the stocks of that item won't, by definition, diminish rapidly. Uh, but certainly anything in that spectrum helps and will get us further than uh, where we are now. I'm announcing this here uh, so that you can help hold us accountable for getting this done. Uh, and also, hopefully, so you can help get it done. 
that's something that's long overdue. Will that solve the whole problem? Uh, no, of course not. We still have the distribution economy surrounding ebooks to deal with, um, but we have struggled in this area for years because we've had nothing specific to put in people's hands. School systems facing pressure from textbook costs and managing physical inventory and keeping their curriculum up to date are just too easily swayed by gratis proprietary tablets and Chromebook and ebook readers. So telling them just don't do that uh, and why will work sometimes. Um, and there are some talks here at the conference about cases where that approach has worked. We should continue to do that. We have to, but it gets a lot easier if we have something else to recommend uh, as a replacement. And we'll still have to break the tight connection between ebook devices, e-reader devices and DRM ebook distributors but taking that first at the device side uh, will give us the leverage we need to uh, disrupt that situation further. Do we need a free tablet instead? Uh, well, we won't turn it down, um, but we're focusing on what we think we can get done uh, relatively quickly, uh, something that will immediately make a difference that people can start using right away to gain some freedom back in their lives. Uh, and we do have other RYF products coming down the pipeline and applications. You know, don't think that this is the only thing that we're going to be working on this year. It's just something that I feel is much overdue uh, that we'll be making a particular priority. And I think that if we have a success here, which I believe we can, we can use this momentum to uh, get other kinds of devices produced and certified. Uh, I think once the, the visibility of the program reaches a certain point, uh, it's really going to take off. And I think steps like this will help get us there. So please do support the companies that are selling RYF certified products. Those are listed on ryf.fsf.org. Encourage more people to apply for certification. Um, it's my hope that at the next Libra Planet, um, where I hope to see many of you in person, we'll see a lot of free ebook readers floating around and, and maybe you'll even be able to buy one uh, in the exhibit hall. I wanna thank you all for your support, your memberships that make this work possible, plus all of our other work the animated videos we've been putting out to help spark interest in free software among the general public, uh, the free software infrastructure we provide and that we'll be uh, providing some new services for, including a forge uh, so that people can develop free software in full freedom, our licensing education and enforcement work, our advocacy work with the campaigns team. Uh, we can't do anything, any of this without you uh, and we really appreciate your support. You'll see on the slide here, there's a, a few URLs for specifically how you can help with the ebook effort. Uh, there's an extensive research page already started on the Libra Planet Wiki, uh, and we have a mailing list dedicated to getting updates on the progress here if you'd like to join that. Thank you very much. Oh, and I want to specifically call out, you'll see a project here listed uh, with the Parabola distribution in the URL there. That's actually a, a way you can install free software on a, a Remarkable 2 ebook reader um, and uh, he's done a great job with that. I encourage you to check that out. So we'll be looking at projects like that um, and many others in order to help do everything we can for you in this area. Thank you. All right, well, thank you very much. Um... The floor is open for questions, I believe. All right, uh, so actually we have one from the earlier one. Uh, was there a baby GNU in the background, Jeff? Um, 
Yeah, it's, um, hold on. I'll, I'll make, it's not actually a baby GNU, it's a grown GNU. Hold on. It's, it's the big one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. So, um, yeah, I got this a long time ago, and uh, I hope we make more because they're really nice. All right. Um, next up, um, will the FSF approved distributions still be audited uh, by themselves uh, versus by their users? Um, I think I maybe not understand that question because we uh, we do we have a great community of people helping us helping out with auditing distributions that apply for uh, endorsement from the FSF. Uh, it's not it's like we we have to have that because it's a big job. And certainly, we have a list of uh, common issues that we find non-free software that makes its way into Unix distributions, but to uh, you know, fully review something. Uh, takes a lot of legwork, and we appreciate the help of the volunteer community that contributes to that. And I did forget to to write down or ask uh, for names of the, those questions, but we'll try to get better at that. Um, I'll see if there's any clarification uh, on that. But uh, more questions, please. So I, I kind of have a question. There's a couple of people kind of speaking to this, but the uh, could you speak more to the RYF certification uh, and what's going on with that right now? And specifically, uh, if there are any projects, there was a question about whether the Pine64 hardware would be uh, certified. Uh, yeah. um, so in, in general, we we keep the specific applications private during the application process, um, but some companies have been uh, public about the fact that they've applied. So Purism um, has talked about their desire to get RYF certification for uh, their Libra M phone. Um, and you know that's an exciting prospect uh, for the future, I think, but also certainly a, a complicated one. Uh, I think Pine64 is doing great things I, I think that uh, they've talked about some of the places where they still have non-free software. Um, I don't know their full catalog and, and what any issues might be, but I do think they're extremely promising. I mean, I, I think that uh, they are really showing how you can, uh, a, a new kind of company that we need more of really, that's, that's making products that are trying to push the needle in the right direction. And affordably, you know, which is, uh, uh, I think that they're targeting kind of a, a different part of the, the potential audience here than some other companies have tried to in the past. All right, thank you. Um, uh, the cat, uh, the catster um, is asking: Are there any open source e-readers right now, um, or is the only option currently hacking them? Uh, I don't know of any that are sold with uh, free software and only free software on them. Um, most e-readers, I mean, not all of them have some amount of free software on them. Uh, there are, um, in particular with some of the Kobo readers, I know uh, people who have worked out how to install free software on them after the fact. But of course, you still end up with some issues with things like Wi-Fi, 
proprietary blobs and drivers. Um, so those are the types of issues that we need to target in order to, and, and the bootloaders sometimes, you know, these are the type of issues that we need to target in order to get something that's fully free. But there are certainly uh, uh, projects out there you can do. Um, and I pointed to that one for the remarkable tablet that uh, leads to an installation of the endorsed Parabola distribution on the device. So that's very promising. But if people can, if you can get your hands on one, I would recommend trying that out. Thank you. Um, kind of returning to this question about the um, who, who's deciding, uh, the question is, is specifically like if there's a freedom bug, um, will that be up to the project kind of to close that or the users? Um, I don't know if, if you have an. Uh... Yeah, I think so. This is about uh, things like. RYF and the endorsed distribution program where we, um, you know, it, mistakes happen and uh, there might be issues that creep into products or that were missed in an initial evaluation. Uh, the important thing to us is that the project or the company be committed to fixing those things you know, with a high priority when they're discovered and reported. So it's certainly helpful if um, users are able to propose fixes uh, but the most helpful thing to do is to report the issue to begin with and then um, call our attention to it. Like we have, depending on the situation, some specific instructions for how we would prefer that you do it if you can. And then we expect the company or the project to respond um, and we will uh, follow up uh, if they don't. But I know it's, um, I know Jeff agrees they want to be punishing people for uh, mistakes that they made. The, the idea behind free software is, is commitment, you know, not instant perfection. Thank you. I'm trying to see. Um, so, uh, Lunar's asking the Free Software Foundation has the focus on software users specifically, but is there a way to consider just freedom of the people in more general um, from being used by software in that future? Uh, so, employee surveillance. Um, you know, there are free software surveillance tools and, and how that might play into things. So, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just jump in and then John, you can add whatever you feel. Um, these are things that we talk about. Um, I don't know that we have an established position with everything worked out, but these are definitely the kinds of things that when they come up, we talk about them and we try to figure out, okay, how much of this should we talk about um, so that other people are aware who might be able to take action in their areas and how much of this is within our area. But obviously this is something important to people, so we need to be talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I think that I don't think this is always true, but I think in many of the cases, if if whatever software is involved in the situation um, is made free, that can dramatically change the whole dynamics of the situation in other ways. So, you know, making a, a company distribute their app as free software, convincing them to distribute their app as free software, when all their app does is talk to a server, you know, it won't fix the problems on the server. But 
if you think through what that means for kind of social change and, and people's approach to those relationships, if we stay focused on getting all the software free, I think that the other solutions might become a lot clearer to us in a lot of cases. Thank you for those. I'm trying to see whether there's there's been a bit of chatter uh, where I'm not sure if there's an actual question there. So, <laughs> um, and then our chatter's good. Questions come out of chatter. That is true. And, eventually, and eventually, and the the basically. Uh, the, the question comes down to what's the status update on GNU herd and whether to use GNU herd versus GNU Linux. John, I'm going to leave that one to you, or I would leave it to RMS. Uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, up to date on how it's going. I just know that it is going. Um, and uh, there's been some, some great hackers working on that project over the years. So I would refer people to the actual project. Um, homepage on GNU.org to see what's going on lately. Yeah, excellent. Um, we have a few more minutes before the award ceremony begins, so if there are any further questions. So uh, there's a question here from JXJ uh, about um, as software has become something that's that's easier to design as a child, and now hardware is starting to get to that point, um, whether the FSF has considered these software-like hardware design as being part of the scope of the mission. John, I'll let you take that one. Um, as I mentioned, I think in the, currently in the RWF program, we sort of consider it a bonus, uh, and um, some of the products, well, and, and I think part of the FSS mission is not just free software, but also free documentation, um, and that's been there from the beginning, and hardware designs more and more are a form of documentation that people can reasonably follow with their own equipment instead of their own factories, so uh, I expect us to get more involved, you know, and, and and thinking about that and seeing that we can do there. On the other hand, um, there are groups working specifically on that. And um, Nadia, who's uh, one of the keynotes tomorrow, might be touching on some of these topics. Um, and we're going to still keep our priority, I think, on the, the software part of things. You know, that, and then we can hopefully bring those together. Yeah, thank you. And I, I definitely know there are keynotes to come to speak about that. Um, another question here is that. Vaccines uh, are on top of a lot of people's minds, and they're being distributed and manufactured by uh, first world uh, nations and companies that are protected by patents, trade secrets. Um, what? I don't know. Uh, the, the spirit of uh, sharing knowledge apply. How, or how does that apply in, in this case? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say I wish that um... I wish that vaccines were free. Um, I think that if there is enough negotiation between governments and companies, especially when you have a worldwide pandemic, they could do things to make uh, 
the vaccines more free. I mean, I've actually been involved in vaccination efforts down in Philadelphia. I've been volunteering the last two weekends to uh, help vaccinate 6,000 people a day. Uh, my sister, who was a cancer researcher, unfortunately died of cancer, but she worked at Pfizer. Um, and so, I mean, I know something of the business and I know they have costs and they need to recuperate their costs. But on the other hand, when you have a worldwide pandemic, it's the perfect opportunity to say, hey, you know, we have 7 billion people and we can't just vaccinate some small percentage of them who happen to live in risk rich countries. This is a worldwide pandemic. And this is the opportunity to say, you know, let, let's get everyone vaccinated. Let's get the cost down as low as they possibly can, share the technology as much as possible. And, and then, you know, we can talk about how to go further. But uh, I definitely think we can be doing more than we're doing now in terms of vaccinating all 7 billion people, uh, or at least the people who want to have vaccines. I mean, it, it's a worldwide problem. And uh, we're lucky here in the US and I know that there are many people around the world who are not as lucky in terms of getting the vaccine. They're also fortunately lucky in not suffering the death rate that we have here in the US, but that's a separate problem. Thank you for that and thank you for uh, helping gain vaccines and vaccines and arms. Uh, it, many hands make light work. I'm just one of many, many volunteers. FEMA put out the word. I happen to be in Civil Air Patrol. Wing commander said, we need help. So I said, all right, I'm there. But I mean, there are lots of people doing that. It's not just me. It's many, many, many people. And, and, and I get to meet great people. The people, when you see the shot go in the arm, the relief they have, it's, it's worth it right there. It's just beautiful. All right. Well, I do see a couple further questions, but I don't think we can get to them now because uh, looking at the clock, it's award time. Yay. All right. All right. 